amen and amen as you take your seats. Would you please have an attitude of prayer? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you now in your word, we ask and pray, Lord, that our minds and our hearts would be open to you. That as we will read that you, you call us and you tell us to ask, to seek, to knock. And Lord, right now, in this moment of our lives, as you have captured us here, in the celebration of worship, in the celebration of baptism, Lord, as you call for and you, you, you want the inner part of our lives, our hearts, our minds, you want all of us, we come to you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's an old story, and this is how it goes. A uh, widowed woman was a devout, devout Christian and had a huge, huge prayer life. She had specific times during the day that she would pray, and, and, and most particular, it would be at night she would pray. Lord, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my grandkids. I thank you for this life that you've blessed me with. And always at the end of her prayer, she'd always tack on something. And she would say, Lord, and if it be of your will, I'd like to have some groceries. And she prayed this day after day, going through the same motions and tweaking things and shifting a little bit here. But there was this consistent prayer for groceries. And she didn't think much of it other than just giving it to God and saying, God, if it is your will, I need some groceries. Well, she got a new next door neighbor and there were multiple nights in a row that she was praying and the windows were open and this new neighbor who did not believe in God, his windows were open and he was hearing this old lady pray to, pray to God. He's like, man, what a weird thing. This little old lady is praying to the Lord. And why does she keep asking for groceries? And after about the fourth or fifth night of hearing this prayer for groceries, he said, you know what? I'm going to show this lady once and for all that God is not real. So he loaded up in his vehicle and he went to the grocery store and bought a whole bunch of groceries and went home and put them on her front porch. And then he snuck over to his house and he just waited to, to see what her response would be. And she came out and she goes, oh, my Lord, thank you for answering my prayers. And he jumps out and goes, ha-ha, I'm your new neighbor. And I just wanted to show you, God isn't real. How can you believe God would answer your prayer about groceries? And she looked down at the groceries and looked at him and said, well, there's groceries here. He goes, well, God isn't real. God, God doesn't hear your prayers. And she politely said, well, why did you go get me groceries? And as he was dumbfounded, he walked away thinking about that. Those are the kind of stories, those are the kind of moments that we're moving into this morning in God's Word. And so I want to invite you, if you brought your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. We're going to bounce from Matthew to Matthew, Matthew 7 to Matthew 6 and then Romans 8. So if you're a, a, like to plan and prep a little bit, that's where we're going to be this morning as we navigate. So hear the word of God. And if you're an underliner, I want to invite you to underline as the Lord prompts your heart. 
Starting in verse 7, Jesus tells us, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. As we read the word of God this morning, this is a moment in the Sermon of the Mount as we've started in chapter 5 of Matthew. We come to this specific scripture and this is the summit of the Sermon on the Mount. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. There are three levels of this intensity of prayer that Jesus is presenting to us. He's, he's saying, first, ask. If you're an underliner, underline that word, ask. This is the single request, ask. And then to seek, that's a next step. Underline that one. That's being persistent. That's asking yet again. And then knocking, that's this deep persistence, not giving up in what you're praying for. Prayer is at the very heart of our souls. It's the means by which we communicate and are vulnerable and honest with God. Think with me for a moment. Of Moses. You recall the Moses' call at the burning of the bush? Moses in Exodus 5, as, as Moses arrives in Egypt and he's presenting himself to the Pharaoh on behalf of God and he's calling for the Pharaoh to release the Israelites, and yet the Pharaoh just becomes even harsher to the Israelites. And in Exodus 5 22, Moses calls out to God, saying, God, what are you doing? Or what about Joshua in chapter 7 after the Israelites have gone over the Jordan and they arrived into the promised land? There's the Amorites and there's the Canaanites and, and, and they're tearing their clothes and putting dirt on their faces and they're falling down and crying out to God, God, why would you bring us into this promised land just to be defeated by these enemies? All throughout Scripture, we see our brothers and sisters who have gone on in the faith before us and how they have approached God in prayer. It's important for us to hear and see these testimonies both here in Scripture and one like this story in which I started with. And this is why. There are many falsehoods regarding prayer and its place within our lives. For some have believed that the way we pray or why we pray is to dictate and bend God to our wants and desires. Prayer is not a genie in a bottle. Prayer is not to be understood as something we just do whenever we want something. And I think this is why prayer leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, is because they don't understand the power and the purpose of prayer. 
Now, here's an example. Perhaps you've heard somebody say this, or maybe even you yourself have said this. I don't pray. Nothing ever happens. Or I prayed for this, and what God gave me is not what I prayed for. Or I, I, I love this. This was one of my uh, first times posed with this question when my old boss at ABC were in the weld shop and he's talking to me about God and all these different things. He goes, how can you believe in God? How do you, oh, let's just talk about prayer. There is a God who can hear everybody's prayers simultaneously. Impossible. I don't believe it. Our prayer lives reflect our belief about God. We can either believe that God has already made up his mind and there's no use of praying. And if that's in the hindsight of what you believe or how you've lived your life, I want to put the car in park there, if, if we can use a Ken Graham illustration. If you believe that God has already made up his mind or God has more important things to do than to listen to you or to care about you, I want you to think about this for a second. A lot of people say, I'm not going to pray to God because I don't think he really is there or I don't think he cares or he wants to intervene or do something for my life. That in a, a, a really roundabout way is saying, you know what, God has already predestined a lot of things and, and it doesn't matter. What I say or what I ask isn't going to do anything. As someone call this predestination, looking at God as he's predestined everything, and we're going to tackle that here in a minute in Romans. If God has predestined everything, I don't need to pray. But here's the problem with that, and that's this. Those who have this understanding or belief that God has more important things to do or God already has his mind made up so there's no point in going to him or praying or asking, it is in terms of what we call the watchmaker analogy. And this is the understanding that God and his supremacy and his control and his creation, he's created the heavens and the earth, he's created everything that we could ever know in the beginning, all the mechanical pieces, all the gears, everything, and like a, a watch or a clock, he's wound it up and then he's walked away from it to let that run its course. This is the watchmaker analogy, and it's a false belief. It's dangerous to believe and hold that God would do such a thing, that God would do all of this for creation, that he would breathe the very life into humanity and then walk away nor care about it. If there is one thing for certain of God's predestination, it is this. God's love and his purpose for his creation. That they would always be in relation with him. That's the one thing if we could count or say is predestined, is that we are to have a relationship with God here and now and for eternity. That's God's desire from beginning to end. The core of the Christian prayer, which is what prayer is in its simplest form, is this. Prayer is a direct communication between us and God with His will. Prayer is coming to God with all of ourselves. 
Prayer is working with God, participating and engaging in life's matters and hardships. Remember Moses in Exodus 5. How, how did God respond to Moses? In the end, he, he said, have the Israelites put the lamb's blood above the doorpost, right? And then death passed over Egypt. Or what about Joshua? Did God just say, you're right. You know, the Israelites, they're just doomed. Ha, too bad. No, the Amorites or the Canaanites did not overcome the Israelites. He intervened on their behalf according to his divine will. He worked with them. And that's the key to prayer. God working with us. Perhaps that's why many of us struggle to have a prayer life or even consider prayer. Because we want to be in control. We want to dictate the outcome. We want all these things to be nicely and neatly rounded up, our ducks in a row, if you will. Prayer to the core is a call to action in our faith. God wants to work with us in and through us. That's why Jesus is saying, ask, seek, and, the, and knock, and the door will be open to you. And I love the, these words. John Wesley says, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. For prayer is where faith's action is. Here we must acknowledge an important truth about prayer. And if you're a note taker, write this down. Prayer with God is our vertical connection and our horizontal action of love and grace. Prayer with God is our horizontal action and or our vertical connection and our horizontal action of love and grace. We fall short of the power of prayer when its purpose in our minds and, or in our beliefs within our soul is to get something of our desire rather than God's will. Many, many, many people have prayed asking, seeking, knocking, and got frustrated because the door that was open to them was not what they asked for. We see this oftentimes in those tender moments found in a diagnosis or in a death that ought to bring us into a moment of drawing closer to God rather than us turning our backs on God. There are healings and there are hardships that you and I will walk through. There are trials and tests. Sometimes we can't have the words to comprehend this side of heaven. But I want to offer this to you. Think about this for a moment. Recall with me what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. He's talking about prayer here. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Focus here on verse 6. Go into your room. Close the door. Jesus is talking about you and I, our inner selves, our self, closing off the outside distractions of the world to focus on God. Then we come to what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. If in Matthew 6 we are told to go into our room and close our door, ask once, ask twice, seek and keep on knocking in Matthew 7, it is his door. Our door in Matthew 6, to close that off, Matthew 7, Jesus is saying, knock on my door, knock and keep knocking. We tap into the power of prayer when we realize that God loves us, that he showers his grace and his mercy and he protects and he leads us according to his will, not ours. These are the profound moments of prayers. The author of the universe invites us to participate with him. Direct communication with his will. He is all-powerful. He is all-present. He is all-knowing. To you and I praying to him. And that question my boss asked me, how can God simultaneously hear everybody's prayer? To, to us, it is one prayer at a time for him. The comprehension of God and what he can and will and wants to do in and through us. And yet I offer us words from Romans chapter 8, verses 22 through 39. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth up to the right present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we, have been, we were saved but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all of these things, 
Notice that. Notice in all of these things, in the Spirit praying, interceding on our behalf, in, in Jesus dying on the cross in the empty tomb, and God calling us to be conformed, to submit, and to live into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Knowing all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither life, neither death nor life, neither angels nor de- demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is so much power in prayer. Set the bedrock foundation of the Christian life. To ask, to seek, to knock, to desire His will for our lives. And we bring it home this morning. In verse 12, Jesus says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This has been termed the golden rule. Parents, many of you have instilled this very thing into your children. Do unto others as you would want them to do to you. And I really didn't know what the Lord wanted to do with this this week. But I got a late Sunday night message with an invitation to go to the Capitol on Tuesday. I had no idea what I was getting into. So I loaded up very early in the morning, Tuesday morning, and drove to the Capitol. And as the chitter-chatter all the way there, we didn't talk about what was actually going to take place at the Capitol until we were getting off the exit. I said, okay, hold on. Uh, what are we actually doing at the Capitol? And this is a Christian ministry, the family leader. It's connecting with the Capitol. It's an invitation for pastors to go and pray for the senators and for the legislators as they're in tough and difficult situations. And as we get there, I I sit down. I'm super intimidated. My name is on this piece of paper, and there's all these senators. And I'm like, "I, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And they walked us through the ministry and God's calling and God's purpose to to connect shepherds from the church with shepherds of the government and pray for them and to intercede and and ask and and, and be there. And as we prayed in a big circle at, at a church across from the Capitol and walked to the Capitol, it's been a long time since I've been there. Not really my environment. I was like a fish out of water. And I'm thinking of this very word. Ask, seek, and knock. Do unto others as you would want them to do to you. And so as we make our way in and we get up to where the Senate floor is and and we're praying and we're, we're seeking to pray for senators and legislators, it was amazing of how God just opened up conversations and God allowed those conversations that take place. And, and yet, even in the midst of the struggle of us just checking on them, how are you doing? What can we be praying for you? And, and what are the things, both here in our Iowa government and at home, what, how can we pray for you? Trying to connect with them and get to know them. And then yet, there's these loudspeakers and there's this chanting and chattering and you look over the railing and, and there's a, a big protest going on downstairs, the loudspeakers, and there's kids all the way to older folks. And, and I thought to myself, 
Lord, what are you showing me? And it hit me, do unto others as you would want done to you. Do you think a, a senator or somebody in legislation would want somebody yelling at them with a loudspeaker to get their point across? Or to simply knock on the door and request a moment of their time to pray for them? There are many ways about how you and I can live our lives, brothers and sisters. But if at first we are not rooted in prayer, desiring God's will for our lives and how he would use us in answering our prayer, that is the action of faith, prayer. I share that moment with you as I learned so much. And prayers that you in your own life can maybe take a reflection upon how you interact with the world, with your family, with your coworkers, with your spouse, with your kids. Is it first just rattling off opinions or things that you're feeling about? Or is it a deep desire to go to the Lord and prayer? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And so this morning, I want to end a little differently. I want to invite you to please stand. And I'm going to offer here now a, the Wesleyan Covenant prayer. John Wesley wrote this in his heart's desire. And as I pray this, this is also an act of benediction and so I pray that these words would sit upon your hearts and your minds as you go today to serve the Lord, to ask, to seek, to knock, to treat your neighbor as you would want to be treated. And so we pray. Lord, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made here on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.